I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I'm the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome back to RIP Diets. We're tearing through season three. I have another quickie episode for you today. I'm on my own. And this is a very special quickie episode because I'm going to be sharing with you a little journal entry that I wrote. I was all in my feelings yesterday and... uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous to share this. I'm always nervous when I share uh, personal journal entries, but I will say for anybody going through recovery, I would very much recommend journaling. It's a really good way to get your feelings out there and to kind of analyze your own thoughts without seeing a therapist, although I definitely recommend therapy as well. But journaling is is always really therapeutic for me. Um, I absolutely love to write. I hope that nobody critiques my writing in this because it, it was just, you know, for my eyes only until I decided to share it. But what inspired me to write this journal entry was I have been getting a bunch of DMs this week from new listeners, which I love to see, and I'm so happy to have you guys. And these questions have been centered around intuitive eating. Um, It seems that some people are confused about how I lost weight, when I lost weight, did I lose weight from intuitive eating. For anybody who's a new listener who hasn't listened to the first season, I would go back to the first season. In the first 10 episodes, I go through all of the principles of intuitive eating and I break them down for you. I tell you the actual definition of what these principles mean and then I tell you my interpretation of them and how I've applied them to my own life. But, you know, in case anybody's still confused, I lost a great deal of weight when I was 20 years old. So I was a senior in college and I had definitely dieted before, but I was never able to stick to anything. My weight was always, you know, this gigantic elephant in the room. And I was often forced to go on diets or to start exercise programs that I wasn't really interested in doing. And I wasn't self-motivated to do those things. I was also really angry growing up being the fat one in my family and I harbored a lot of resentment and I do think it was kind of an act of rebellion that I would not lose weight on somebody else's terms. Although I still really wanted to lose weight, I had a picture in my mind of what I wanted to look like, which was much smaller than I was. And then at age 20, that's when I kind of flipped a switch and I became self-motivated. I was tired of being mistreated by my family and among other people. And I kind of wanted that college experience that I felt like my smaller counterparts were able to have that I wasn't able to have. In hindsight, I mean, I think I was actually getting in my own way in terms of experiencing new things and being a more self-confident person. I do think that with the proper role models in my life and um, resources that I could have turned to, 
I do think that it could have been a better situation for me, but it was the 90s and uh, early aughts and those resources just weren't available the way that they are now. And I've had to reconcile that in my head and kind of make peace with the fact that I felt so lost and so confused and so hopeless for so many years to the point where I needed to go on a, a nearly a starvation diet to lose weight. And then I didn't learn about intuitive eating until about five years ago, five or six years ago. And since then, it's absolutely changed my life. So I understand people being a little confused because I will say to you guys, you know, you do not need to force yourself to lose weight. You do not need to shrink yourself. But I myself did shrink myself at age 20. And that can seem a little hypocritical, I think. So what I do want to say is um, since shrinking myself at age 20, I've had a reawakening and I've kind of reached a new understanding about what it means to be healthy and that being healthy doesn't always mean appearing healthy to others. It comes from the way you feel and the way that you treat your body and treating yourself with respect. And that's what I follow. And I, I understand that my body might still change throughout my life because of varying factors. And I'm also okay with that. I don't know how I'm going to feel in the moment, but I really, truly do believe that diet culture has no place in my life. And I'm going to make every effort to stick to that, whether or not my weight fluctuates, if my body changes. This is just the way it's worked out for me. And I happen to live in a smaller body today. And my body is very much a reflection of the journey that I've gone through, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that that's what your body should look like. Intuitive eating looks different for everybody and and intuitive eaters look differently. And it's really all about self-acceptance. And I'm sorry if that's hard to stomach coming for me. I know I live in a privileged body, but I still suffer from a lot of the same mental afflictions that plague people in larger bodies because that's kind of how I always felt inside and it's how I still feel inside sometimes. So that's kind of what this little personal essay slash journal entry is about. Um, so let me just read it to you. <clears throat> Between the ages of 14 and 17, the mall was the designated hangout spot for my group of friends. We went to the mall most weekends and even some weekdays after school let out. The Galleria Mall was large but no frills and all the stores we wanted to shop were there. Forever 21, H&M, and American Eagle. The Golden Triad. My friends particularly loved spending hours in Forever 21 looking for cute baby doll tops and cut off denim shorts for a ridiculously low price. They would collect mountains of clothing and take turns trying stuff on and offering their opinions on what others should purchase. However, I was not a big spender at Forever 21 because it was rare that I would find a single thing that fit me. If I was lucky, I would find one top in a size large that I could manage to get on, and that was enough for me, even if it wasn't flattering at all. It was more a symbol that if I looked hard enough, I actually could find something in the store that would fit my body. The rest of the shopping experience for me 
would be weeding through accessories and jewelry. While my smaller friends tried on their hundredth outfit, because back then there were no limits on how many items you could try on at once, I would walk in circles around the cheap costume jewelry, each time taking closer looks at things I had already seen and had no interest in buying. Sometimes I would buy a bunch of jewelry or socks or a new purse just to draw less attention to myself and make it seem like I was equally fulfilled by the shopping experience as my smaller friends were. I never told my friends I wanted to leave or express to them that it was painful to be in a room full of clothes that I couldn't wear. It was like this in the other stores too. All the clothes were made for someone much smaller than I was and after a while... I felt invisible no matter what store I was in. They also had a Torrid Plus Sizes store at the Galleria Mall, but I never stepped foot in there. I would rather buy the one straight size item that fit me than have to shop at a separate store from all my friends. After losing weight on my first hardcore diet as a young adult, I went back to that mall and I went straight to the American Eagle to buy new jeans. I had waited a long time, several months I would say, to buy jeans until the ones I had were so baggy on me I could barely keep them on. I did that because I didn't want to waste money on new jeans when in my mind I was not done losing weight. I also didn't quite see how much my body had changed and I was already living with body dysmorphia at that point. Anyway, at American Eagle, the jeans were stacked in cubbies that were sorted by size with the smallest sizes on the bottom shelves and the largest sizes on the top shelves. I worked my way from the size I was used to wearing, not on quite the highest shelf, but a few shelves down from the top. These were, of course, too big. And one by one, I tried the same pair on in each smaller size. And one by one, I discovered that they were too big on me as well. I was shocked to find out that my new body required single digit size jeans. Single digits. I could not believe it. I was so overjoyed by it. For a moment, I thought it was a dream. This is how I can best explain body dysmorphia to somebody who doesn't quite get it. Imagine seeing yourself one way and viewing your body in absolutes. For me, it was, I'm the fattest girl in my friend group, or I'll never find clothes at this store that will fit me, or I have a less than ideal body type for clothes. These were all thoughts that I had whenever I would go clothes shopping. And the anxiety I would feel in a clothing store was still there even when my body had changed and I could now fit into the clothes. By the way, I never once thought of clothing as something that should be made to fit me. I always thought it was up to me as a woman to make myself fit into the clothes. And even when I could fit into the clothes, I still had this creeping feeling that I didn't deserve to wear the clothes. I was scared to buy that first pair of jeans because they made me feel like an imposter And sometimes I still feel like an imposter, even 10 years later. Body dysmorphia is feeling like an imposter in your own body. You might find yourself fixating on flaws that are so minimal to other people, but you obsess over them to the point of distress. I still see myself as the fat girl, even though in this present body, 
I am not fat. I've had to learn to combat these feelings and think rationally and logically about my body size. But it can be so difficult when being the fat girl was a huge part of my identity since I was a child. I'm not sure that I will ever see myself as anything but the fat girl. At the same time, I've become more educated about the word fat and how it has become such a dirty word to people. To some people, it's the worst thing that you can call a woman. Up until recently, actually, I was one of those people. Whenever someone called me fat in the past, just to be cruel or to take me down a peg, I would always think to myself, that person is going to hell. I don't even believe in heaven and hell, but it made me feel better. And even though I didn't have the guts to stand up to them, I would send them to hell in my mind. And that enabled me to move on with my day. Now I'm starting to see the word fat differently in light of the fat acceptance movement. And I wonder if fat wasn't such a taboo word, if it was more of a descriptor word the same way that thin is, and if it wasn't only used to tear me down but instead to lift me up, I wonder if I would have been more self-confident in my fat body. I wonder if I could have reclaimed that word and felt empowered to shop at stores that offered plus sizes, for example. I don't know what would have happened if I had the option to like myself and accept my body back then. I often look back and wonder if there's a different way it could have played out. I wonder if I could have avoided an eating disorder altogether in my 20s and started respecting my body the way I do now. Sometimes I feel like I've been mourning the childhood I could have had, free of worry or fear of judgment wherever I went. I feel like my childhood was wasted trying to hide myself or blend in when I was so incapable of blending in. My weight felt like a barrier to entry in so many ways. And even though I'm 10 years removed from it, I still get caught up in the fat girl mentality that was my only method of survival. Keep your head down, don't complain, let your friends try and close for hours while you sift through cheap-ass Forever 21 jewelry, and pretend you don't exist because you may as well not exist. Thanks for listening to that. I wrote that to try to put into words how body image issues are so deeply rooted, and while we'd like to think that once you get the body you've always wanted, your body image issues will just disappear... This has not been my experience. When it all comes down to it, we all want to be accepted and loved. And I'm not going to pretend that losing weight didn't grant me access to things that were off limits before because it certainly did. And I'm not just talking about the stores I could shop in or the sizes I could now wear. I did feel a new sense of acceptance and admiration after I lost weight. Um, I felt more of an interest from guys after I lost weight. I felt like people were more impressed by me when they would first meet me. I also felt basic human respect and decency from people that probably wouldn't have even talked to me when I was larger. 
But as far as my own self-love and self-respect, that took many more years and a ton of reflection to get there. I want to remind you that no matter what body type you have, you cannot achieve self-love and acceptance through validation from other people. It's not wise to live in the mentality of when I lose weight, I'll be able to live my best life because I'm telling you from experience after you lose weight, you're left with all these feelings and you think, okay, it's kind of like being on a treadmill. You, you, now you need to run faster in order to keep up with this precedent that you've set for yourself. And when you don't feel good about yourself after losing weight, you're going to keep thinking, all right, well, maybe if I lose 10 more pounds, maybe if I lose 15 more pounds, and you're kind of just on that treadmill trying to increase your speed and get further along and doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Also, you can live your best life right now and you can learn to accept yourself as you are. I know that It might be hard to accept that coming from me, a person who did lose weight and in doing so did receive validation from others. But what I want to get across is how fleeting that validation was and how it actually left me feeling empty and like an imposter in my own body. It wasn't until I started doing the hard work, the self-reflection, going to therapy, setting boundaries with loved ones. It wasn't until I started doing all of that that I truly felt empowered and worthy. And I do think I could have done that earlier in life if I had someone to tell me that it was possible. So that is it for today, you guys. Again, I would very much recommend if you haven't listened to season one, go back to episode one and at least listen to the 10 principles of intuitive eating. Those first 10 episodes, I'm very, very proud of them. It's by far the most structure that this podcast has ever had was in the first 10 episodes. And I went through all the principles. I broke them down and I talked about how they applied to my life and my recovery. And I think that's a really great place to start if you want to get a better understanding of intuitive eating. But you can also read Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Raish. Um, Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But you can also read that book. It's an amazing resource. And I also told a gorgeous and flawless listener who slid into my DMs, try to get a newer edition because the older editions of that book do have some problematic slash fat phobic stuff that was later taken out of the book. So if you do want to read that book, get a newer edition. But if you want just a digestible, condensed, watered down version just to get a slightly better understanding of intuitive eating, go back and re-listen or listen for the first time to the first 10 episodes. And as always, you guys, if you want to get in touch with me, you can email me at ripdiets at gmail.com. You can also connect with me on Instagram, slide into those motherfucking DMs at Lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. You can also follow the podcast at R.I.P. Diets. And if you want even more content, and I'm talking video content, daily vlogs, uh, what I eat in day vlogs, face-to-face videos covering a whole range of topics that I also discuss on the show and ones that I have not, go to patreon.com slash RIP diets. 
I'm making a sincere effort to churn out video content for you guys because I think it offers a way more personal look at my life and my recovery and you can get to know me a little bit better. So again, that's patreon.com slash rip diets. So once again, have a fabulous week and I will hit you back on a brand new edition next Monday of RIP Diets. Peace the fuck out. (laughs) 